It's a genuine blessing to be able to come together on this wonderful Lord's Day morning to appreciate how good God has been to each of us, not only through the past week and certainly even longer than that, but the health that is all of ours today to assemble and to express our heartfelt appreciation to the God that made us and that made a day like this possible. We just sang that song about uh, the grandeur and the nature of the water of life, and doesn't it remind us in some way about that passage in the Beatitudes, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew 5, verse 6. We would certainly be in order to wish all of our mothers a happy Mother's Day today, a certainly a very special day, at least in regard of allowing us to express to them our heartfelt thanks and appreciation for all that they do and have done for us. In some way, that at least presented to me the opportunity to develop a lesson about the mother of Jesus, at least asking us to use some of the matters in the life of Mary to encourage all of us to be better stewards of the blessings given to us and the opportunity, of course, to serve God more faithfully. This opening slide is in some ways an introduction, an introduction that is rather brief in some ways, you know, the idea of motherhood is a very critical and frequent part in the Word of God. 328 times in one way or another, the word mother is found in the Bible. Doesn't that indicate the concept is throughout it? Well, certainly among the women that we might have chosen for study, Mary is certainly an appropriate one. And so as you can see at the bottom of that slide, we're going to cast a spotlight today not on what men have often said about Mary, but what Mary herself said. And after all, wouldn't that be the better selection and the better choice for our study? Because after all, over the years, there have been some shocking, strange, and plainly wrong claims made about Mary. Look at some of them. You'll notice at the top of that slide, isn't it true that the great God of heaven, the Father, made the selection, the choice, that His Son was one day going to come to earth, is what He affirmed in the Old Testament. And amazingly, Galatians 4, 4 says, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. But notice, it was significant that He was made of a woman. He was born of a woman. And so it was that here was the eternal being of the entire universe, and yet the time came that He voluntarily allowed Himself to be born of a woman and thus lived for a period of time upon earth. It is with that thought in mind, the next statement would be this one. Who was this woman? Well, the Bible makes certain the observation she was a woman named Mary. Much could be said about her otherwise, but again, my focus is going to be first this morning to at least use the latter part of this slide to point out there have been some things said about her over the years that are plainly shocking. Let's briefly list a few of them and then move on to, to the better course of the text. I've listed them very briefly. Are you aware of the fact that over the course of time, a number of things have been asserted about Mary. Here are a few of them. First, you may have heard of the so-called Immaculate Conception. In the Roman ideologies of our day today, you still sometimes hear about schools that carry the name, the Immaculate Conception. I wonder what the phrase, what does the wording mean? 
that ultimately means this. In their doctrine, they claim that Mary herself was conceived by her parents without any original sin. Now, of course, the Bible doesn't teach original sin either. There's a lot of things wrong about that idea. But notice how strongly it's connected to and attached to Mary, but that isn't all. The concept of perpetual virginity associated with her. She was a lifelong virgin, according to them. But, of course, that contradicts Matthew 13, verses 55 and following, that says she became pregnant and gave birth to several brothers and sisters that would have been half-brothers of Jesus. But not only that, sinlessness. There are some who teach she was ultimately and fully through her life never guilty of sin, but that contradicts Romans 3.23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That included Mary. Not only that, the so-called assumption. That's a doctrine that is whereby she, when she died, was taken straight to heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that either. By now, you're probably getting the feeling men have concocted a lot of ideas concerning Mary which simply aren't so. The last one is this one. Some have lifted her to the point that she is a co-redemptrix of Jesus. That is to say, she's on equal footing with Him. Now, the Bible certainly doesn't teach that either. I say all of that to say, let's put those ideas to rest because the Bible doesn't teach them. But wouldn't it be a better usage of our time to ask, what did Mary say herself, not what men said about her? And I believe once we do that, we will be impressed with not only what she said, but how often we can use that to better ourselves and our service to God. It begins with this one. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 1? That's just the same chapter in which we were reading a moment ago, a little earlier in that chapter. The circumstances surround this one. And the subtitle I've given is Submissive to God. It all begins with these observations. You may recall the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and informed her of some amazing things. If I could draw your attention to verse number 26... And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The great God of heaven dispatched the angel Gabriel and said, You go and deliver a message to a woman named Mary. And so he came to this city in Nazareth. In verse number 28, the angel had these words to say, Hail that thou that are highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. In the days of the Old Testament, it's untold how many women had hoped that she would be the chosen one to bring the blessing of God, namely the Messiah, into the world. Enough prophecies had been delivered that no doubt they knew that this was something to happen. And yet the years passed and the woman hadn't been selected. But then the time of Mary arrived. And this angel in verse 28 pronounced a blessing. Blessed art thou among women. You may notice in verse 29, and I'm sure we can identify with how she reacted. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. 
Can you imagine the startling character, the unusual circumstances? Here is this angel appearing and pronouncing a blessing upon you. What's he later going to say? What will be the fullness of his message? You'll notice in the verses that follow, Gabriel had some remarkable things to say to Mary. You are going to conceive of the Holy Spirit. You are going to bring a son into the world. He will be and He is the Son of God. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Now that kind of a message we must never allow to pass too lightly. Imagine for just a moment had you been in the position to hear such a message. How far-fetched it would have seemed how unusual it would have seemed, how strange it would have appeared. And yet, would you note with me immediately, verse number 38, upon hearing this, how did Mary react? Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Now that word handmaid is a reminder of and a description of a servant, one who serves the wishes, the commands, the matters related to another. She said, I'm your handmaid. And then she said this, Be it unto me according to thy word. It is no stretch of the idea to consider the responsibility that would have come with this. The Son of God, I'm going to be His mother. The responsibility that will rest upon my shoulders to rear Him in a way that would be pleasing unto God the circumstances of a family environment that will rest upon the demands given to me, and yet to all of it, Mary said, Be it unto me, according to thy word. Doesn't that give you and I a measure of impressiveness concerning Mary? She didn't exhibit any reluctance. She didn't exhibit any hesitance. Be it unto me, according to thy word. At the bottom of that slide, may I ask each of us to perhaps observe that in our daily walk of life, even today, that message is so vital. Because after all, submission to God isn't always easy, but it is always right. To bend my stubborn will on occasion so that I behave as God would command me, that isn't always easy because I want to do what I want to do. And my preferences are sometimes different. And that's true of all of us. And yet to behave, at least in principle as Mary did, be it unto me, as you have said. That statement alone is rather breathtaking, isn't it? For that reason, let's just quickly look at a few passages that remind us about God's insistence that we be submissive to Him. Jesus prayed like this in Matthew 6 verse 10, You may recall he said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And we'll pause at that point. It was the Lord's plea in the statement of that prayer he was teaching to his disciples. Thy will be done in earth. Let's now insert this concept. Could you and I say, Lord, thy will be done in my life as surely and as fully as it's done in heaven. That's saying quite a bit, isn't it? And yet, that would be the concept, the idea that could easily be seen. Later on in James 4 verse 7, we are given this commandment, Submit yourselves therefore to God. 
Now, that's a direct commandment. And so Mary's concept and Mary's idea was right on target. After all, when you and I fail in this regard, look at the tragedy of Romans 10, verses 1 to 3. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Did you note the language? The failure of those in that verse, they did not submit to the righteousness of God. May you and I not fall into that terrible allotment. Lesson number one for Mary has been submission to God. What else did Mary say? What other lessons might you and I learn? This time, let's travel to John chapter 2. In this case, we find Mary making another very dramatic statement. This time, it will be one again which you and I can use rather notably to encourage and help ourselves. John chapter 2. Without looking at all of the details that led up to it, the idea was this. Jesus and His disciples had come in attendance to a wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. And as they had arrived, and as they came, and as the festivities were proceeding, a statement is made in verse number 3. They have no wine. So at the occasion of this wedding feast in Cana, it was to be a celebration, no doubt. And yet, there was no wine to be had. The text doesn't tell us why they didn't have any, whether it was due to failure in planning whether it was due to some other issue that had arisen, we just do not know. But this much we do know, Mary knew that there was none, and this is what she did. You'll notice that she told this to Jesus. She didn't go tell it to the other people that were present. When she learned there was no wine, she came and found Jesus, and she told this to Him. They have no wine. Now, verse number 4, Jesus said, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Now, that was not a rebuking Mary. That was a Hebraism, a way of speaking in that time. It was a, a rather gentle reminder of the greater mission of Jesus. But would you note verse 5 with me, please? His mother after she delivered this message to Jesus about their not having any wine, she then said something to the servants that were attending at this feast, and she said to them, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Mary didn't know apparently what the Lord would do. She didn't understand, didn't have an idea what He might do, but this much she did know as she shared with those servants, Whatever He says to you, you do it. As you turn to that slide with me and note this, would you appreciate that as Mary made that statement, remember, she was the one who had given birth to Him knowing she had never known a man. She knew He was divine. She knew He was not physically of this earth. It could not have been that way. And she said to those servants, whatever He says to you, do it. What confidence that she had in Jesus. What assurance that she had that whatever He decided, whatever wisdom was presented at that moment to address this matter, it would be the thing that would be right. 
Whatever He says, do it. For that reason, notice what's at the bottom. Is it not the case that you and I could learn much applying that statement of Mary to our life? Whatever Jesus says to you and me, it's pertinent that we do it. We don't need to question Him. We don't need to offer our thoughts as to what might be better because we can rest assured our thoughts will never be better. Our way will never be superior to His. Whatever He says to you, do it. And so in Luke 6, verse 46, Jesus said, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Isn't that a pressing question? Wouldn't it be easy, I suppose, at any age for someone to pronounce the name of the Lord? But when it comes right down to the Lord's demands, well, I just don't really prefer to do it that way. Well, why do you call Him Lord then? Why call ye me Lord, Lord, but do not the things which I say? Whatever He says to you, do it. Look at the next passage in John 14, 15. If you love me, the Lord said, keep my commandments. Our obedience to Jesus is a fundamental issue. It is not determined by convenience. We don't just serve Him when it's what we think is best. That's what faith is. We serve Him whether we think it's the best or not. Faith is doing what He says should be done, regardless whether we fully agree with it or not, regardless whether we fully appreciate perhaps the reasons He would have given for it. But finally, you note this verse in Hebrews 5.8. That verse and the one that follows points out this beautiful truth to us. Though He were a son, that's Jesus, we appreciate this. Though He were a son, yet He became perfect through that matter in suffering and became author of eternal salvation to all them that obey Him. Eternal salvation reserved for those that obey Him. Whatever He says, do it. Let's close that slide then like this. It's a rather frightful thing then to appreciate the other side of that description. In 2 Thessalonians 1.8, what about those that choose not to obey Him? Well, there it reads like this, "...to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on who? Them that obey not the gospel." those that didn't obey Him. Two things we've learned from Mary. One was submission to God. Secondly, respect for Jesus. What about the third lesson? This time as we transition to Luke chapter 1, this was the lesson text that Brother Lester read earlier. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 46. Without rereading all of those verses... I would just point out a few things. Did you notice how Mary reacted? We've already pointed out that upon being told she would deliver the Christ child into the world, she said, Be it unto me according to thy word. But then in the verses that follow, she proceeded to sing something. The so-called song of Mary. Verse number 46, Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. As you can see on the slide, I chose the brief title, Praise Unto God. The entirety of this set of verses is an adoration of, an extolling of, a praising of God. 
And could I ask you to notice some of the things she praised about God? First of all, verse number 49. He that is mighty hath done to me great things. She was very mindful of the blessing that Jesus was going to be and the honor that was hers to be His mother. Holy is His name, verse 49. She pronounced holiness with regard to the name of God. That's a rather interesting thing. In a world that I suppose has often been tempted to take the Lord's name in vain, she declared it holy. And by the character of her life and ours as well, that should be our goal. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, Revelation 4.8. Look at what else she said. Verse 50, His mercy, that's the mercy of God, is on them that fear Him from generation to generation. She praised God for the merciful nature of His being. Aren't we thankful for His mercifulness? God's mercies are new every morning, Lamentations 3, verses 24 and following. No wonder with regard to that, notice, she also declared God is being mighty, verse 49. It would be wise at this point to say, your life and mine should be an open reminder of all of these truths. Do you and I live each day in such a way that we pronounce and declare that we regard God's name as holy and we consider Him mighty and we're thankful for His mercy? If we aren't living faithfully as a Christian, then we can't say that honestly. Our life is more of a, a disgrace to the things of God and to the truth of Christ. Look at some of these verses at the bottom that challenge us, each of us in this way. I would call to your attention this one, Acts 9, verse 6. Lord, what will you have me to do? A very submissive and powerful, praiseworthy statement of our submission to His will. But look at this one in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. There aren't we told that we're not to be conformed to this world, but rather transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we may prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The praising of God should be a fundamental part of what you and I are to be. For after all, when we wear the name Christian, that literally connects us to Christ. Christ is in us, Colossians 1.27. So far, we've looked at three things that Mary has said. And as we close that slide, I would ask you to notice that we're commanded to praise God. Psalm 9 verse 1, one verse among many that might have been selected, where there it's asserted before us, Praise ye the name of the Lord, all ye His servants. One statement remains. One last thing from Mary, and the lesson will be yours. This one's in chapter 2 of Luke. Perhaps as you turn the page in your Bible and come to Luke chapter 2, you'll remember that now the reality of the birth of Jesus has taken place. And oh, what a grand occasion it was. And as the Jesus Himself was born, how did Mary react after the case, after the fact? 
Well, you'll notice on this slide, I would ask you to rehearse with me this. You remember that shepherds had come at the occasion of the birth. They'd been led to the nature, the, the consideration of this by following that star. As they had been abiding in the field by night and they came to this location, those shepherds told Mary some interesting things. In verse number 17, it says, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all, that, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. So remember, the shepherds had come, and they told Mary and Joseph and the others gathered some amazing things about this child that they were now witnessing and watching. How did Mary react to what they said? Verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. As the months would turn into years and the years would pass on by, I wonder what Mary often thought about concerning the way Jesus had been born, the nature of the person that, that she knew Him to be. Look even further in that chapter. You may recall that a number of years pass. And when Jesus was age 12, His parents took Him up to Jerusalem to there celebrate the Passover. They left Him behind, and three days later found Him. And upon finding Him, this is the conversation that they had. Verse 49, He said unto them, How is it that ye sought Me? Wished ye not that I must be about My Father's business? And they understood not the saying which He spake to them, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But note what Mary did. Mary, his mother, kept all these sayings in her heart. I entitled this that the Word of God was apparently the critical element in what Mary did. She pondered these things. She kept these sayings in her heart. No doubt often reflecting upon them. You'll notice near the bottom of that slide, could I suggest that this attribute is demanded of all of us as well? The keeping of the Word of God in our heart. Thy Word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119, verse 11. Otherwise, Psalm 1, verses 1 and following, the opening stanza in the entire book of Psalms, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. If you and I then would follow the advice of Mary, we too will ponder on those things that we find in the Word of God and allow them to dictate and motivate and lead us to the person God would have us to be. Each day, as we meditate on the Word of God, and as we allow it to develop within us and lead us in the paths of righteousness, it takes us to a verse like Psalm 119, verses 15 and 16, where there we read that we'll never, ever forget the Word of God. As we close that slide and come to the closing, the conclusion, if you please, of the lesson today, I would offer that the four things we've just appreciated this morning would be critical attributes of any godly mother. We should be thankful for a mother who loved the Word of God, 
who was submissive to God, who had respect for Jesus. But might I say that whether we be a man or a woman, these attributes are encouraged of all of us. These are things that would be in fact demanded of us by the God of heaven. As we would be thankful for a godly mother, might we use Mary today as an encouragement for all of us to live wisely, to live circumspectly, to live in a way that in fact we too can look forward to going home to glory some sweet day. It might well be as we close that slide, what conviction we have seen in Mary. Over the last 2,000 years, men have said a lot of things about her that just weren't true. But we've allowed her to speak for herself this morning. And what we've learned has been impressive to say the least. It's not to say she was sinlessly perfect, but it is to say that the attributes that she presented have truly been mindful of us and encouraging in us of a way of life that God looked upon so favorably upon. Of all the women, He handpicked her to bring Jesus into the world. She must have been a special young woman. Maybe each of us then could be special in our walk of life in such a way that our devotion to God will be keen, our submissiveness to Him will be absolute, and our devotion to Him will be unwavering. Today, it could well be that someone in this assembly is such that you've never become a Christian. Although you've known what the Word of God teaches about being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe you've thought about it but have never been motivated to the point that you did it. Why don't you let today be that day? The 10th day of May, the year 2010, the year 2020, could well be then your spiritual birthday in such a way that all of eternity has been altered for you. Your name could be etched into the Lamb's Book of Life today. A member of the church as of today. And if you'll live faithfully till death, Revelation 2 verse 10, heaven will be yours. The plan of salvation is this. Believe in Jesus, would you, with all your heart, without any doubt, repent of the sins in your life, confess the name of Jesus, and be humbly and submissively baptized for the remission of your sins. If we could be of help today, it'd be our delight and joy. If you have known what it was like to be a faithful servant of the Lord at some point in your life, but as of today, you know that isn't true. You've begun to live in a way that you know isn't right, and you just feel hollow about it. You're a shell of an individual who knows what you once were, but as of today, that just simply isn't true anymore. You realize that while there's breath in your lungs and sentience in your mind, you can make a change. You can come back to your first love, Revelation 2 verse 5. And today, we'd be delighted to pray with you. We'd be delighted to approach the throne of the God of heaven, Hebrews 4.16, on your behalf. And God has promised upon your confession and repentance, He'll forgive you. Today, if we could be of help to anyone in either, either of these ways, we would wish to do that while together we stand and while we sing.